This was a fingernail defingernailification. I don't know what you call it. They had a word for it. Now I've forgotten what it was. Now, what you don't want to do there is what he did. You want to make a backhanded stab at the ball. As we've discussed, the Blue Jays have, have four guys and Edwin Jackson in the rotation, and there's not exactly the cavalry on the way here. And welcome to episode number 144 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we'll just pour a cup of hot coffee and take a big sip before we look at the Blue Jays' offensive statistics after one-third of a season. Sounds... Great. Except so, I don't drink coffee, so okay. I'm screwed. Well, you can ruin your laptop some other way. Um, <laughs> I think they've won a game since we last did this podcasting thing, so we'll, we'll probably have to talk about that. Uh, during that, that slate of, slew of games, we did have Marcus Stroman, who was ill, but much more effective than the previous start that we talked about. Uh, we saw uh, Kevin Biggio make his big league debut, who got called up alongside with the recall of Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who is doing things in the outfield as well now, and it seems much more comfortable, which is good because he's comfortable at the plate. Uh, Vlad Jr., after his player of the week, went over 14, but that's over, so we can uh, we can go over, you know, Vlad, the Vlad report. This is mostly the Vlad report, I feel, every week. Aaron Sanchez, still having finger problems. Uh, the roster. The roster is like either a roulette wheel or a series of dominoes, depending on which uh, metaphor Josh wants to use when we get to that point. We have <laughs> uh, we have your questions. Uh, we have the idea of, of, you know, if the Blue Jays are going to make a trade, is there someone who they have a value worth trading right now and why? And then we have a do-over from a gentleman named Kevin Gorman, who is... Uh, from Pittsburgh, and yeah, we'll we'll talk about why old school ideas are still dumb. Shall we begin? Shall we begin with? Uh, do you just want to talk about the victory? Yeah, let's yeah. start on a high note. Mm-hmm. So Stroman well, was good. Yeah, despite the fact that he showed up to the ballpark late because he was sick and was apparently. Uh, tossing his cookies, as they say, during the game as well. Um, well five innings of, of, of good Strowman, of him grinding it out, is actually better than just about every other option that they had at the time. So I appreciate him gutting it out for that. Gutting it out? Ah, he, <laughs> he also had his, uh, he had his control back. Yeah, only the one walk and, you know, no strikeouts again. But uh, he has given up a few home runs lately, which is... A little unlike him, but uh, at first I thought it might have been like the flu-like symptoms because he stayed up and got drunk after the Raptors game or something like that, but then he got passed to other players in the clubhouse, so he was actually sick. Yeah, that's not what you want. Uh, I, I, I find it actually surprising how either little we hear about it or how often it, guys in such close quarters don't end up passing around like a stomach bug or, uh, you know, even just like a a bad cough or something else where, you know, everybody's playing under the weather. But it it seems that uh, these guys manage to stay pretty healthy most of the time. Yeah, I mean, people tend to get more sick in the winters anyway, so. It could be. Or it could be. indoors all the time. could be the high-performance team kicking into gear. 
Yeah, they've learned how to treat it so people can't get sick. <laughs> they can't clear. They can't stop injuries, but they can no. stop illness. Yeah, exactly. You can you can be injured and just you know feeling good about yourself. Uh, the Blue Jays, you know, actually, just about everybody got a hit. I think in that lineup. Um, that's exceedingly rare for this team. Yeah, except Pretty Galvis, who was over five, but uh, actually, Danny Jansen was over four too. So. Uh, Smoke was the interesting one because he got a couple more home runs, bringing his total in the season to 11. Yeah, he's quietly, despite the fact that it seems like he's underachieving a bit because his batting average is so low and he's only got 11 home runs. His his numbers are actually better than last year. His on-base percentage and his slugging are both higher. Which is pretty cool. Um... Yeah. Sorry, I just looking. When was the last time do you think that the Blue Jays won back to back games? The last time they won back to back games? Ooh. Um, <laughs> was it this month? <laughs> no, it was not this month. Oh, crap. So, was that when they got to 500 then? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that last game in the sweep of Oakland. The three-game sweep, not the four-game sweep. That was the last time they went. They went back-to-back-to-back, and they haven't won two games in a row since. Wow. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, because I think think what we might have here is a bad baseball team. Well, I mean, they're a third of the way through the season, and they're on pace for, was it, 99 losses? Nice. Uh, all right, so in, in, in our, our highlights of that, we, we are not without nice performances in the midst of this disaster season. So uh, let's talk about Kevin Biggio, who made his big league debut. Yeah, I was shocked, actually, that they called him up when they did. You know, and when you think about it, it actually makes sense, just because no one else is playing well, so why not give the kids a shot and just see what they can do against major league pitching? But, you know, he, he had been struggling when they called him up, he had, you know, it's like his last 30 play, play or something like that. He was, he'd, he'd seen his batting average drop by 40 points, his slugging by about 30. And, and Korea, who also got the call was even worse, but you know, these are the guys that they're the future. So why not? So why not? That's what we're really saying. Uh, yeah. So a couple games to get going. So the struggling thing, but then he got his first hit with his dad in attendance. I think that's always nice. Yeah, and it's really neat. I mean, Craig Biggio is sitting there, and it says a lot about how Craig Biggio is not really like a household obvious face and name because he wasn't really getting approached a lot in the stands. No, I think the fact that he played, uh, you know, a fairly long time ago and his entire career was in the National League, was it not? Didn't he play his entire career for the Astros? Yeah, and he finished before they moved to the American League. Right. So not really a Toronto face. No, you know, and that game was huge. I mean, he he's only got the three hits that he got in that game, Kevin Biggio, that is. But one of them was a gigantic bomb. Yes, uh, which was above the level of excellence. Although you know, down the line, so it's not as much as a you know shot to deep center, but still, that that's that's a lot of loft on a home run. Yeah, and that's sort of what made him interesting. You know, last year he changed his swing to get this this loft and he started hitting a lot of home runs and that that that's what made people think hey this guy might actually be something now he has struck out five times in his first 14 plate appearances which is always going to be the 
the problem, I think, is that's what it was for him last year. Not as much this year, but, you know, big league breaking balls are a little different. I think he's going to fit right in with this lineup if that's what he does. Like strike out 30% of the time and go off pop once in a while. But he walks, so he doesn't fit in very well. Oh, right. Well, he's only walked once so far, so we'll see if that actually pans out. Anyway, but it's it's nice to see him up there and, you know, just get a sense of, hey, maybe this is going to actually be a sen- uh, the future of this team as opposed to watching, you know, Eric Sogard and Freddie Galvis up the middle every game. Do you think this was more brought on by Eric Sogard crashing back to earth for a few games? Uh, was he 0 for 18 or something? Um, and them thinking, well, now is as good a time as any because the, you know, the the shine is off the Eric Sogard penny i think it was actually probably driven more and you know we'll get to this in a bit but driven more by the outfield being so bad and then drury moving out there more full-time okay so you're trying to fill that gap uh yeah because we we did um uh, what was the counter move who were the two guys who were demoted when Uh, guriel and mckinney mckinney went down and richard uranium yeah so got rid of two infielders. Um, sorry, an infielder and outfielder to to replace with sort of an infielder and outfielder. Now they tried to explain, and I got confused. I'll be honest as to where Biggio and Guriel were going to spend most of their time, and what Davis was going to do. Well, Davis is only going to play the outfield. He's not doing. That that's his position, and he's not playing the infield, but center field, but only part time. Yeah, this is you know what he is. I mean, this is Jonathan Davis, by the way, for those who are not one hundred percent sure we're talking about right now. Um, you know, like Kevin Biggio and Lourdes Guerrero Jr. have been getting time in the outfield in the minors, but although since they came up, it seems to be Guerrero who's more in the outfield and Biggio staying at second more often. Right. Or DHing. So does that mean Freddie Galvis gets it spelled at shortstop by Brandon Drury? That's well that's what's happening right now as we're recording ah, this. There we are. And I think that's kinda crazy. <laughs> Brandon Drury's not a shortstop. <laughs> but, but nobody else is either. Well, Eric Sogard could potentially play there. Better than Brandon Drury, I think. And I'm surprised that Guriel's not there, but he's in left field again. So who knows? That's who who knows what a Montoyo thinks, I guess. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, they are trying to do this thing where they have guys playing in a bunch of different positions to increase their versatility. And it, I, there's nothing wrong with that, especially when the season's going the way this one is. So the other name I keep mentioning, which I guess we should get into more detail, is Lourdes Guriel Jr., who came up and the bat despite struggling in AAA, has not since he's re-arrived in the majors. No, I mean, we saw this with him last year, actually. He started off terrible and then just had got super on fire. <laughs> uh, I mean, Guerrero was starting to show some signs of actually coming out of it a little bit before going down. You know, I mean, he'd hit over his last 15 plate appearances before going down, he had five hits, three of them doubles. But the problem was... For defense is why he went down. Right, exactly. And his defense at second base was just atrocious at the time. He couldn't throw to first base. So he went down and started playing more in the outfield, 
which as we talked about at the time was, you know, a lot of people when he was originally signed were saying that was his inevitable position. So, and yeah, ahead. so he went down and he did that. And now he's back up and he hit home runs and each of his first three games back. Which is a relief because uh, there's not a lot of home run hitting going on, you know, in, in this lineup. Like you said, Smoke is leading the team with only 11 here at the end of May. Um, Rowdy has nine. It's a little thin after that. And, and just for fun with small sample sizes, Lourdes Goriel jumped his slugging percentage 330 points in those three games. <laughs> It's it's uh, certainly a little hot streak, hundred percent. Yeah, and then he went one for three with a double in his next game. So, you know, this is, I think, what Griel's always going to be when he's hot. He's quite good, but because he swings at everything, he's going to have a lot of streaks where he's just not. It's just how consistent is his bat to ball skill in a given week. And that's what you're going to get. It's it's he's certainly not going to switch his strategy to try and uh, you know lean back and take a few walks. No, and and that's why you know we're talking about this with his defense. This is where this really comes into play for him. As long as he's contributing at least on that side of the ball, then he can still have value even in his streaky ups and downs. And then Vlad Jr. after after being Player of the Week, he had an O for fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you see some of those outs? <laughs> Are you saying that baseball's not been fair to Vlad? No, I mean, look, this is just what baseball does, right? <laughs> I think he had two balls that were line outs over 100 miles an hour where the expected batting average on them was, you know, 750 and above. I think the other thing that sort of tells you something is that the the day he breaks his offer, he gets three hits. Right. No, I mean he's a really good hitter. When he hits the ball, he hits it really, really hard, and he doesn't swing and miss that much. So, I mean, everything we've heard about Vlad, we're seeing. We just haven't seen it all the way through yet. But you know, he's twenty. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's. It, it, even if you look back at a you know an eighteen or nineteen year old, uh, you know people compare him to Miguel Cabrera or A Rod or whoever else. If if you look at and compare to those guys, not all of them hit the ground running. That's what we've we've said this over and over again on the podcast. Sometimes it takes time to adjust to the league. Um, the the crazy part is he's he's right in the middle of this lineup as far as production. Like he's he's outproducing Randall Grichuk and Billy McKinney and Brandon Drury and a whole bunch of other guys. So even though you know he's not tearing setting the world on fire, he's still holding his own at this point. And, and you know the fact that we're talking about oh you know he's young and it's early and what you just said is still true shows what the expectations were for Vlad. Yeah, like over the moon. What else do we have? Oh, yes. We have the injury report. Go ahead. Uh, Aaron Sanchez. He hurt his finger. (laughs) Shocking absolutely no one. After kind of hurting his finger for, what, three starts in a row? Except for the last one before this one. Yeah. I mean, this is... Why does this keep happening? Like, <laughs> this is not good. This was a fingernail 
defingernailification. I don't know what you call it. They had a word for it. Now I've forgotten what it was. So it's it's not a blister. From what I heard, it's part or all of a fingernail separated itself from him, which sounds horrible. Yeah, I don't really understand how it happened. I, I still don't get it because it was the middle finger again, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that, but that's what it was the first time. And, you know, he doesn't, like, again, like with a spike curveball, it would be your index fingernail that would be at risk. So I don't really know what he's doing or what's wrong with his hands that this keeps happening. He he still expects to make his next start. So I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't really get it. With a lot of medical tape, I guess. Yeah, I mean, his fastball started dropping, like, precipitously afterwards. I think he was around 96, 95, 96 before it happened, and then 91, 92 after that, which, you know, I never think of the fingernail as the driver of velocity, but... Well, but if it hurts to grip the ball... Right, exactly. Yeah, you can't put <laughs> put enough pressure on it to get it out of there. <laughs> and then, and then, so what... You know, hopefully the fingernail could just be... I don't know, removed or something like they tried that already then how is it torn again i don't know i i <laughs> you know what i'm afraid to look at his hand I, the grotesque thing that must be there at the end of his finger is just ugh, too much for me the other thing the blue jays have been doing is uh shuffling pitchers mostly but shuffling players in the roster we already mentioned the guriel and uh Biggio call up, Urena demoted, and um, McKinney demoted. But you you have the rest in front of you, so I'll let you go for the rest. <laughs> so we we talked last week about the Jays calling up Jimmy Cordero. Yeah, he throws a hundred miles an hour. Not for the Blue Jays anymore. <laughs> he made one outing, and then he was designated for assignment. Because they claimed Zach Roskup off waivers from the Mariners. All right, go Zach. Right. Well, so in the, you know, the stuff to get Biggio onto the roster, they had to designate Ryan Firebend for assignment, who was sent to the minors. But now Zach Rosbuck has been designated for assignment. <laughs> I'll always remember for... his um, day. <laughs> right. Where he walked the first two batters he faced. And so then Zach Rosbuck is gone. So Justin Schaefer is up along with Jacob Waggis back because Tim Meza is hurt and Thomas Pannone is up because oh, Elvis <laughs> Luciano's on the bereavement list. It's just, oh, move, move after move after move after move because they just keep having to fill. Yeah. And it's like right-handed guys, small g, <laughs> who are currently available in in the minors or on the waiver wire because, hey, we might need an arm tonight to get us through the game. Yeah. Well, I guess back, uh, I think he set a Blue Jays record for strikeouts as a rookie in his debut, rather. Or might have been like in relief or so. He had seven. Wow. And, and we had to say goodbye to him. No, he's still here. Oh, he's still here. I guess I, my mistake. Yeah, he's he's the only one who survived. <laughs> See how long that lasts for. But uh, yeah, he came up, had a good debut. Good enough, I guess I should say. Struck out seven over four, which that's pretty good. Give a couple runs. 
that's all we can ask at this point, I think, is is to be kind of good for most of our pitchers. Because Edwin Jackson has been just... Terrible? Yeah. I mean, nine's a, not a good ERA, is it? I haven't looked that up lately. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it's it's a round number. <laughs> it's better than Fiera Benz. He's gone. Uh, was. Uh, also, just as a side note, Sean Reed Foley was pulled from his start in AAA tonight with apparent injury. Well, you know, he, he was, was being terrible too. Yeah, so so. It, it's a real mess. Uh, the You know, the fact that Clayton Richard is back at least helps. So they could still say they have a rotation that's got four guys in it and Edwin Jackson. <laughs> four guys and as... Edwin Jackson? Is that what you're yeah. calling it now? Yeah. As long as, long as Aaron Sanchez can actually make his next start, that's going to be the name of Jackson. It's going to be the name of my band. <laughs> I like it. By the way, Fernando Rodney got released. How long till the Blue Jays sign him? Is it has it been fifteen minutes yet? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see who has to throw a bunch of innings today, and then they'll uh, yeah. <laughs> then DFA they'll that person. Go get the crooked hat, man. Oh my goodness. Okay. So that was the week that was. I don't know if we learned anything other than the Blue Jays did not win back-to-back games this month. And can't do it tonight because they lost yesterday. Ooh, it's going to be tricky to win back-to-back games this month, period. Yeah. On that thought, I'm going to go to your questions, which uh, hopefully aren't about how many games they're going to win in a row right after this. And we have returned. And as we return, I would like to, uh, I would like to, normally I demand something of you or politely request it, you listeners. But this time I would just like to, I'd like to say thank you. Uh, took a, a, what do you call it? A surf over to uh, the iTunes or the Apple Music, whatever they call it now, Apple Podcasts. And I checked and a bunch of you left reviews and everybody said nice things. So thank you for taking time to review the podcast and thank you for putting nice things in your reviews. We do really appreciate that. It, it, it brightened my day. I'll be perfectly honest. I think they only did it because I told them to. Demanded five stars only. Give five stars, please. <laughs> no, you give three stars. <laughs> Don't know where that delete. accent came from. But that's, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I agree with Greg, though. Thank you very much. It is really nice. No app person who speaks... Uh, uh, with that accent ever understands why you would give an honest three-star review. That's what I'm saying. I have a very anti-Russian app bias. That was Russian? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll go to your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Sure. Uh, okay. So, the first question comes to us from Ellie at Ellie Ellie Hart. Yeah. At this point, what would you do with Aaron Sanchez if you had the reins? I believe in him as a starter if he can stay on the field, but that seems less and less realistic. It's a good question. Uh, I mean, I think that you have to give him a few more starts to see if whatever they do to to deal with this last tear 
works. But if it keeps happening that as he gets more wear in a start that it injures his fingers, then eventually I think you might have to move him to the bullpen. I, I kind of on the same same page. We know he can relieve effectively. We know, you know, in that role he he did flourish for a time. I'm really I love Aaron Sanchez. Like I've been his biggest supporter since he came up and I'm really starting to think that he just physically it's not meant to be for him as a starter so I would also give it till probably the all-star break but then I would have to sit down with Aaron and say well this is or isn't working but I you know you can't have a starter who might go three and might go seven in a given night because you can't construct a bullpen like that yeah you want to hit us to uh question two Sure. So the next question, this one comes in from Kate Stanwick at OK Stan. What happened to all-star Sam Gavilio and can it be fixed? Well, the problem with writing an article about a reliever, I think, is that it's a reliever and you've written an article about him and you can't take it back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Relievers are horribly inconsistent in small sample sizes. So, of course, it can be fixed with a little bit more time. Yeah, I mean, his his velocity has gone down a little bit of late, not noticeably. So, you know, it, it's not really the thing that drives him. It's hard to say. I mean, we talked about how he was getting more swings and misses, and you know, using the slider more. He's been kind of mixing up his pick, pitch mix a whole lot lately. You know, sometimes it's way more fastballs, sometimes it's or four seamers, sometimes it's sinkers. But you know, he had a really bad game when the whole team was having a really bad game. <laughs> uh, you know, he was pitching to the score, right? Yeah, we glossed over that 19 runs surrender, didn't we? <sighs> I mean, what of <laughs> What of it? What of it? <laughs> yeah. No, but he's been bad lately. He's still getting the swings and misses, but he's been giving up a lot of home runs. And this is the danger. You know, we talked about... I can't remember. I think it was Clay Buckle was a question about him way back in, in the early parts of the season. But, you know, he can pitch well at lower velocity. But when you have lower velocity, your margin for error is smaller. And when you're making those errors, you give up bombs. And he's given up a lot lately. Baseball her. Ball her. Uh, asks Vladdy. Vladdy. Uh, to which I respond, oh, yeah, bloody. Well, that I, was... I, don't, I don't know what that means either. <laughs> okay, Greg. But, I, I'm yeah. losing he, my he, mind. <laughs> he, clearly. Um, but you know, he got a hit. He broke out of his 0 for 14, so he's bloody still. Absolutely. Matt, oh, sorry, no, your turn. Oh, thank you. So this one comes in from Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt. So last week, or not last week, last month, he asked about the awful outfield in the plan because he still had McKinney, Hernandez, and Brito. And he said, are we really going to give Biggio and Gurriel a few weeks practice at AAA and expect them to be good defensively? So today he asks, last month's question repeated. (laughs) The first three are gone and Gurriel and Drury are in the corners. Is this a good idea? I assume they'll be worse defensively than a guy who has more experience. Will their bats make up for the probable defensive issues? I mean, I don't, I don't know Gurriel that well as an outfielder. 
but I would have to think that he's probably going to play passably well. And if his bat is, you know, the hot, like we said, if, if his bat is overall what, what we've seen it to be and not, you know, it, it's going to be streaky, but if he has his hot streaks, then yes. Uh, is Biggio really going to... Sorry, and Drury's in the corner. I don't know how Drury is in the outfielder. Do you? He's passable. But I, I think Gurriel could actually be a good left fielder. He's sort of learning on the job in the big leagues, which is obviously not ideal. But, you know, it's the major league coaches are there for a reason. And, you know, like 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 we said, like that seemed to be where he was probably headed from the moment he was signed to his contract out of Cuba. Uh, Drew, I think, is just a stopgap. I think he's been a stopgap at every position he's played so far this season. I think eventually they want... Tosca Hernandez back or Billy McKinney back or Anthony Alford to step up something and to actually have real outfielders back out there again. So Aaron Polsky or Polsky at uh, Polsky 29. I've, I've been strategic. I, I made, sure, made sure you got this question. Uh, there was some semi-serious talk last week when the Padres were in town that they were showcasing Quantrill and Naylor for a Stroman deal. Who says no and why? Oof. Um, both time, both sides. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, Quantrill, his performance in the minors has been kind of iffy. And Josh Naylor is another first base DH bat, even though he's playing right field in that series. Value-wise, it's a pretty good offer, but I, I don't know that that's exactly what the Jays would be looking for in a trade. See? You've answered it well enough for the both of us. Hit me with the next one. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to get back to that afterwards, that concept, though. But So this one comes in from Zach Meyer at Zach B. Meyer. By the way, Zach, great shot of your picture of Trent Thornton from last week. I forgot to mention that. But uh, the question says, I just got the email for All-Star voting. This is a joke, right? Uh, yes, the All-Star game is a joke because it doesn't count for anything. And um, the people that get voted in are only in for a couple of innings. So, yeah, it's good. But in your in reference to, you know, the fact that I think Danny Jansen is on the All-Star ballot, <laughs> it, it is it is uh, it's a good kind of funny, I think. Let's you really I wonder know what Vlad's going to get. Yeah, that would be curious. That, that, that'll be the one thing we watch. Not that he's going to get enough votes. But that he's going to get some. Do, do do you see a Blue Jay? Do you see a Justin Smoke campaign this year? Oh, I certainly hope not. Oh, come on. There's no hitter that deserves to be voted into the All-Star game. Marcus Stroman again? But you can't vote for him. No. You can't vote for pitchers. I'm just, I'm just saying there's there has to be one Blue Jay representative because, again. Well, Stroman and Giles are both actually worthy. All right. So that's what we're going to roll with. No, you may not. You you may vote for them, but um, they're they're not deserving. Yeah. And lastly, Colleen Evans six. Wow, nostalgia because we we went back in time for this one. Her question is: Which two ex Blue Jay players would you like most to hear as a TV broadcaster slash analyst? And you and I ended up uh, when we were reading over these questions talking about the ones we'd least likely to have return somehow. Yeah. So I have a real answer first. I think Marco Estrada would be awesome at this. 
because mm. he's just really intelligent. Every time you ever hear him speak, he's very thoughtful about why he does what he does and why other people are succeeding the way they succeed. So he's the answer. The guy I do not want to see back, <laughs> Joe Carter. Do you remember Joe Carter when no. he was with the Blue Jays? I don't. I don't remember him being a broadcaster for some reason. He, he lasted, I think, one season. Mm. He dropped beautiful gems like this. Uh, Darren Fletcher was catching, I believe, and a pitch was uh, it was thrown in the dirt into the oppo- opposite batter's box, and he tried to block it and hit off his his chest protector or his shin pad or something and bounced away. Joe Carter dropped this pearl of wisdom. Now, what you don't want to do there is what he did. You want to make a backhanded stab at the ball. <laughs> Joe Carter came up as a catcher. And he played the big leagues for like 18 years. How can he think that's what you're supposed to do? Oh, uh, well, This is maybe. a retro do-over, by the way. Like, if we had the do-over back then, that would have been – I would have gone on a rant longer than the one I'm going on right now. <laughs> I can see him doing the infielders, and you just want to kind of olay the ball if it's if it's going by. You don't bother getting in front of it. Yeah, you you just want to like make it so that your footwork is really tied up in knots. That's just the most <laughs> clean way to play the ball. Oh man, okay, fair, fair that you wouldn't want it back. So uh, my nominee, oh, man, it's, it's it's so tough. Like, first of all, I just like to say that I think that the job of a a play-by-play man should be a professional, um, you know, announcer type person like a Jerry Howarth or a Dan Schulman. Yeah, I was just doing the analyst because I yeah. agree with you. It should not be a former player in the play-by-play role. Uh, I would love to hijack from everything I've heard David Cohn from the Yankees broadcast. Oh, good one. And he technically fits the former player mold. Um, you know what? I would like to see what R.A. Dickey thinks about baseball, at least for one season, just to see how he how he views the game. Uh, the, the other thing was the guy I don't want to have back, although he was endlessly amusing at the time, was Jesse Barfield. Do you remember Jesse Barfield's um, the product that he he was obsessed with? I remember his his work or lack thereof, but I don't remember the product. So uh, he. I, I, every time he brought this up, it felt like he was sneaking it on the broadcast and that he, w- he would get a talking to afterwards because it was, I think it was like Fergie Oliver and Jesse Barfield on the CBC. Like it was some weird, um, not even a sports network game, technically. And he would bring up in the middle innings um, the Nutty Buddy, which was some sort of <laughs> novel athletic supporter product. <laughs> That someone had obviously slipped him a fiver or something to mention. So anytime a guy got like hit in the junk by something, he'd be he'd be like, oh, he wouldn't be down like that if he was wearing the nutty buddy. I love how we're both talking about guys that in their post playing years are somewhat known for hawking products like Joe Carter's <laughs> like Weber Naturals Glucosamine Chondroitin, which is clearly something he's never heard of before when he's selling it. Oh, by the way. Man. Do you remember, like, the group then was Houston, Jim Houston, mm-hmm. Rance Mullinix, and Jesse Barfield. That was the trio in that booth. And Rance would just go on and start saying, and, and well, what a play. And I'm like, but there would be actually no play. He would just forget what he's saying in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> it would happen all the time. Because he talks so slow with these long pauses. And I think it's like he would just, I don't know where I'm going anymore. <laughs> 
Um, it was I, a great booth. Yeah, well, honestly, I, I lived and died by the Jim Houston Buck Martinez booth. That was my, my bread and butter. Um, and people remember Shulman and Martinez a lot more. But in the actual 92 World Series, it was Houston and, like, not World Series, World Series year. It was Houston and Martinez. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I really like the way they played off one another. And that was when I hadn't heard Buck stories all 17 times. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. No, he, Houston was definitely the guy that was good in that trio. <laughs> Stop uh, dragging me down, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to call a game here. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'm going to say uh, you wanted to talk about the idea of how the Blue Jays might approach trades this season. Yeah, so this came up on, on Twitter today. Brendan Panikar, who asks questions sometimes on this podcast, was about the idea that the Blue Jays would trade Stroman and Ken Giles for Mackenzie Gore on the Padres. Now, he acknowledged that the Padres would probably never do it, but Gore is a great pitching prospect, one of the top ones in the baseball. And there's this idea that I don't think that's something that the Blue Jays should be looking to do. Uh, you know, I, I think that if they're going to trade those two guys, which I think we both agree right now are their two best trade assets, yes? Yes, because you still have a year or two years of control with Stroman. Both of them are free agents after next season. Right. So a full year plus you'd get the end of this season. So it's not just a rental deal. Um, and they're both performing at a level where someone would be interested in trading for them. And we, Sanchez tanked his trade value the last month. Yeah. So I, so, I, yeah, I agree. So basically the idea was like getting Mackenzie Gore would be great. But I think. That if you're trading those two guys, you need to be getting multiple pieces back because there are so many holes in this roster. Yeah, I I think as we've discussed, the Blue Jays have have four guys and Edwin Jackson in the rotation, and there's not exactly the cavalry on the way here. You got Nate Pearson, who you know when he arrives looks to be a guy who you're gonna you know slot into the rotation somewhere. You thought you had Sean Reed Foley, but he's been horrible. Um, you got Ryan Barucki, but he's hurt. Like it, it's not like it's not like oh, these will be the five guys come spring next year. You're back to maybe four. That's just the right. rotation, right? And and that's why I don't think that you. I mean, I'd be happily, happy happily try that again. <laughs> I would be happy if they did, you know, Stroman and a lesser piece and got Max Fried back and then traded Giles for a few pieces or the other way around. I I, I don't care. So the, just that idea, again, Max Fried's not getting traded. But those are your two best pieces. You have to get more than one thing back. Yeah, on this roster. In, in a yeah. different year, maybe you're filling a specific hole. But here you're just trying to plug leaks in a ship that's hasn't even left the harbor yet. Yep. All right. So that leaves us with, uh, I think, just a do-over. Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... Kevin Gorman, at kgorman underscore trib, if you'd really like to follow him. He is a, uh, a Tribune sports columnist in Pittsburgh. And he says, after uh, Derek Dietrich crushing a home run off Alex McRae, 
taking his time, admired it, ran the bases real slowly. He said, this is why pitchers throw at batters, and it's totally justified. Reds have a tendency to forget that they're a last place team. So is it is it justified, Josh? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys will admire home runs. Like that's just not a reason to throw at someone. Yeah. No, it's not like he. I mean, especially like, look. Uh, there's very people who have different different opinions on this stuff, but just watching a home run go. It's not like he like went out and like, yeah, I got you and like pointed at the pitcher and then he just watched it go and then went around the bases not too fast. It was like that's what David Ortiz did every home run he ever hit. And there was nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing happening in a baseball game when the home runs bouncing around in the stands. Basically, this Kevin Gorman is saying that if you're in last place, you can't watch home runs or you get justified in having guys throw balls at you. Keith Law jumped right in on this, of course. He was the first response, and he's like, it's justified to throw a baseball 95 miles an hour at another human, which I think is the part I just don't understand about this old school sort of school of thought. It's, it's like within the rules of the game, um, no no one talks about what you do after you hit a home run, but the actual act of hitting a home run is is strictly a game thing. There, there's no Nothing happens to the pitcher when you hit a home run off of him that that will affect him physically tomorrow. So why is the retaliation to nail a guy with a baseball that could potentially take him out of the game for like a week? Yeah, so Kevin Gorman just being a moron. By the way, I love that this is almost gold star worthy. So Gorman put this put that out earlier today. Derek Dietrich has hit three home runs against the Pirates today <laughs> and watched all three of them. <laughs> Darn right he did. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So the do-over would be um, to consider that uh, wishing a injury upon someone, which is effectively what you're doing when you hope that they get a 95-mile-an-hour fastball thrown at them, is a bad thing, and that you should probably apologize for thinking that that was somehow an appropriate response to a thing that happened in a game. I have an alternate do-over. Sure. If you want to be able to say things like this and actually be taken seriously you have to go and stand in the box and let pitchers throw 95 mile an hour fastballs at you if you can stand there and take it <laughs> and be okay with it then you can say this yeah and you think it's yeah not a big deal after that i'm i'm, I'm down with that for a do-over uh kevin gorman uh slide on by let us know if you spent some time in the batter's box and then uh if you have hey we won't we won't ever talk about it again all right i don't mean if he just played baseball i mean if he stands there and just pick just and has yeah, pictures as a target. Them on purpose. Absolutely. Uh, this uh, does bring us to the end of uh, another podcast, at which point I feel it's only fair to ask if you have a final thought. I do. So we were talking about trades of Stroman and Giles and the like. I don't want, I mean, it makes sense to trade them, especially trade Ken Giles. I don't want them to. I'm really starting to like Ken Giles. <laughs> <laughs> After their 10-1 win, when the Blue Jays came back to the clubhouse, there were all these We the North Raptors shirts in every locker, and that was partly Giles' idea and Strowman's, actually, the two of them. <laughs> he's awesome. He seems to really like it here. And he's pulling for the Raptors, like, to the point where he's buying Raptors shirts for the players. What's not to like about that? all that behavior? Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be sad when he gets traded. 
I'm I'm sure it will be. Uh, I wish I had a final thought. I think my thought is I try not to think about this team too much because they're really just not very good at all at doing pretty much anything. And that's, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to tweet through it. <laughs> I think your final thought is people should go buy Natty Buddies. Yeah, go, go look them up. I'm sure someone's still trying to sell them somewhere. Vintage Nutty Buddy on eBay. Um, <laughs> all right. So you have been Josh Housem at Joshua Housem. And I have been Greg Wazinski at Coolhead2010. And this has been episode number 144 of Artificial Turf Wars. And we will talk at you next week when the Blue Jays may just have won back to back games.